baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mount City, we are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. Good Wednesday morning to all of you out there. Thank you so much for joining us. Amy Mark scores Chris Ranji alongside you. If you are listening on the original 1120 AM, you might want to check out 98.7 FM, especially along that Highway 40 corridor east-west. It's crystal clear, really nice. Also, the Odyssey app, you can download it for free. Rewind live radio. And also, if you miss anything, you can subscribe to our podcast, the Chris and Amy Show podcast. So you every hour, you can listen to the whole thing, segment by segment, whatever floats your boat. Um, Options so that you never have to miss a thing. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. And a precedent-setting verdict in the Jennifer Crumbly case. She was found guilty on four counts of involuntary manslaughter after her son killed four students in a school shooting. Uh, in a school shooting, Scott Rosenblum, the president and founding member of Rosenblum, Schwartz, Fry, and Johnson, will be joining us. Being online can be a dangerous place for all of us, but in particular for children, an anti-cyber-stalking bill in Missouri um, that has been proposed. We will talk about that and how it affects kids and adults. And it's Super Bowl week, baby. The Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift and deep state conspiracy theories. We've got none other than Bob Costas joining us this morning today to talk all things Super Bowl and really, Ranj, whatever Bob wants to talk about. Well, yeah, we got to talk baseball with him just a little bit. I would think Big so. baseball guy. One yeah. One of the prolific baseball guys in America. Well, and speaking of that, we're also going to chat with Matt Viscurgeon, the co-host of The Sounds of Baseball, because they have a special on Bob Costas. Yeah, he's Matt Viscurgeon is really, really good. I, I, I really enjoy his broadcasting and... You know, he he's done play-by-play, a ton of it. There was a time where he was very sought after by a lot of teams in terms of, you know, when when, when they were looking to hire somebody to do play-by-play, his he was like the hot name. You know, he's very, very good. Right. So looking forward to talk to him. Yeah, that'll be good. Also, we'll be chatting with Missouri Senator Tracy McCreary out of District 24, as you mentioned, about the cyber-stalking bills. She'll join us in the next hour. Well, Ron, right when the show ended yesterday, the verdict came out in Michigan. Jennifer Crumley, who is the mother of the teenager who killed four students in a high school shooting in 2021 in Oxford, Michigan. The mother was found guilty uh, yesterday on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter. And we have not seen a parent 
held responsible for a school shooting or a mass shooting yet. Like this, we have seen some parents charged with criminal neglect, but I believe this is the first time a parent's been held guilty for manslaughter. Yeah, looking forward to talking to Scott Rosenblum on this, um, who is an attorney, and I'm I'm really curious to see what he thinks about this. But this is, you know, we, we have such a a gun problem in mm-hmm. this country, and I, I think that's undeniable, though a lot of people will argue against it and think we need to have more of them. But as it pertains to children, there has been very little that can be done other than punishing those kids themselves if they don't, you know, uh, right. uh, commit suicide after the horrific act inside a school. This is such an, a, a, a weird precedent. Mm-hmm. I, weird is not the right word, Amy. But this is a, a it's, monumental it's, yeah. precedent to set to say, well, now the parent is responsible for this. So it, it kind of makes me think, look, if we're not going to do anything about guns, there is part of me that thinks, well, maybe we should do something about the parents. The other problem with that, and, and you and I have talked about this before, and you say it a lot, that you can't always be responsible for every single thing your kid does because right. you can raise a good kid. You can be a good parent, but there could just be something wrong with your child that you just can't put your finger on and you don't know that he's going to do something like this. Um, so it's also difficult to punish them. But I guess if we're not going to do anything about guns, maybe maybe we now do something about parents who allow their children to get close to weapons. Yeah, and we talk so much about understanding a case, right, case-by-case basis and meaningful distinctions within an argument like this or within a case like this. And I think maybe just on the surface, if someone only sees the headline that a parent was held responsible for their child's action as being charged with manslaughter, it can sound like, oh, well, that is that fair is that american what if you are a parent and you're trying to keep up with your kids right. and your kid sells you know there's drugs in high school maybe your kid sells some pot but they didn't know it was laced with fentanyl another kid dies should the parent be charged that is that was my first line of thinking however when you look at the facts of this case we are talking egregious neglect and poor decisions again to the point of criminality by Jennifer Crumley which is why she was charged and convicted for manslaughter. When it comes to parents, the July 4th mass shooter in Chicago, the one that took place in Highland Park, the father had signed his son's application for the Illinois Firearm Owner's Identification Card. Like two weeks before, right? It was very, I think it was months, but very soon, right, right before the shooting. And the dad pled guilty to misdemeanor reckless conduct charges. Now, there was also the six-year-old boy in Virginia, six years old, who brought a gun to school and shot his teacher. The teacher survived, but she was shot by this child. And the mother ultimately pleaded guilty to a state child neglect charge. So that is, in some ways, right, the parent being held responsible. But this is different. This is manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter Mm -hmm. charges. And when you see the lack of action taken by Jennifer Crumley or the action that she did take, helping to get a gun, taking her son to the shooting range days after he had said he believed that he was seeing demons and ghosts and he wanted to kill people. 
she was brought into a school meeting because her son had drawn very concerning pictures of him holding a gun and people bleeding out and the thoughts won't stop. And she didn't take action. If anything, she enabled him. That's the biggest issue. And on top of it, she clearly knew there was a problem because on the day of she's sending him the text message, which sort of, I I think, sealed it for her saying, don't do it, whatever it would have been, uh, whether she thought he was going to commit suicide or carry out some sort of act. She must have had some kind of inkling that he was going to do something with a weapon. And that itself is a massive problem. If you think that he's got a weapon and should do something, at very least, you notify people, hey, my son's got a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe go look into this. Maybe go find him. Uh, but she she didn't do enough here. I just I hope the, the bottom line for me is I hope it gets us to a place where it, I think there are very good parents out there. And in fact, most parents are very, very good parents and really trying to raise good kids. But maybe for those who are mm-hmm. a little more neglectful, maybe this causes them to pay closer attention to maybe not be so cavalier with what they allow their children to do or what they allow them to have. And, and I kind of hope it moves us away from a little bit, even um, this culture of, Hey, I want to, my son needs to learn how to use weapons at an early age. Well, maybe not always, maybe they don't really need to. I just, I, I hope it gets us to that place. And so maybe some parents will be more mindful now. And Jennifer Crumbly's husband, James, is scheduled to go on trial for the same charges in early March. But again, the prosecution argued that she was grossly negligent in giving a gun to her son, who was 15 at the time. She failed to get him proper mental health treatment. And there were warning signs upon warning signs, not just Am I reading into a bad attitude? Not that. It wasn't, oh, he seems a little down. He was specifically saying, talking about demons right. and ghosts and asking for help. And she, they, were, they have the text messages of him saying, I have all of these thoughts. Somebody help me. And she ignored them because she said that was a joke that they play, that their house is haunted. And over weeks of testimony, you saw law enforcement officials School employees, shooting victims, then those who knew Jennifer Crumbly testify for the prosecution because they all saw this coming. They went over and over again to the mother saying this, your son's actions are beyond troubling. Something needs to be done. And for them to simply outfit him with a gun, I can't think of a more irresponsible decision. It's 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 truly unbelievable. It really is. And I don't know what they're thinking. And um, we we talk a lot about as a country that something needs to be done about mental health. And the vast majority of people with mental health do not do stuff like this. So you can't just say, well, this person's sick and he's got weird drawings. And so therefore he's about to commit a murder. You can't just assume that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I, I hope that we when we talk about mental illness, instead of just using it as a way to deflect attention from weapons, let's actually do something about mental illness. And where where is the desire to move forward on making sure that everybody, not just mm-hmm. not just parents of children, but everybody has access to 
affordable, if not free, mental health care. And it should be a priority for us. I know this This is not quite the point. It's kind of a side note, but I do think the mental health umbrella is a little too broad because you can be dealing with depression, and, and that happens. It happens in life. It right, happens for various right. reasons. But that's a very different type of mental health issue than this boy or young man was experiencing. And in the same way that we have medical terms for being overweight, you can be overweight, obese, and morbidly obese. And and those terms signify a different state and also different actions. Because if you're just, if maybe you're a little bit overweight, you might have to take different actions than if you're morbidly obese. It almost is like within the mental health category, and maybe this already exists, it's just not in the public vernacular yet. But if there was a, a term for this type of activity to separate it from mental health, because this type of activity, all it does is it, I think, would further the stigma of people being afraid to say they're struggling because they don't want to be grouped in with someone who's taking crazy actions. No, you're right about that, and that's why I think when a lot of people talk about this, they go out of their way to to qualify it by saying we're not talking. We're not saying that all mentally mm-hmm. ill people are going to do this. So let's just not assume that that's the problem and that every mentally ill person needs to be monitored because that isn't it. I, I think we're all careful to do that. And I think most people are. But then there are others who just want to not even talk about mm-hmm. what what. The big problem is, is that there are weapons that are too accessible to too many people. And that is a huge problem. Um, And that is where, for me, the mental illness conversation comes in, is that you're right. We do have to do something about it. We need to be mindful of it. But we also have to not pretend that the other thing isn't a problem, too. Mm hmm. He's Chris Ranji. I'm Amy Mark Scores. As always, we want to hear from you. Give us a call or shoot us a text at 314-436-7900. That's the text line, call line 314-436-7900. You can also leave a voicemail at 314-944-1120. We've also got Barry Manilow tickets to give away, so keep listening oh, for that. Yep, which at which point, not yet, not yet, but we'll give you another number to call in so that you can win some Barry Manilow tickets. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Chris Bronji, Amy Mark scores alongside you on a Wednesday morning. Well, Chris, a lot of, I don't know if you want to call it breaking news or just news developments over the course of the last 24 hours. We can start with the Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment that didn't happen. This is a strange one, isn't it? Um, It seems that the uh, House of Representatives, in particular, House leadership is incapable of counting or they didn't expect (laughs) representative because this it never happens Mm -hmm. where the majority party brings something to the floor for a vote without the expectation it's going to pass. Right. They always know. 
and you had Marjorie Taylor Greene after the fact saying the Democrats hid a person. Well, okay, how do you hide a congressperson? Um, But they did have Al Green, who was scheduled for surgery and did not want to miss the vote. So Mm -hmm. he came in from the hospital in a wheelchair and placed his vote. They were not expecting it. All of this is aside from the fact that that this particular impeachment uh, process, look, I, I am all for punishing people in Congress, presidency, whatever, for wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. This one seems really, really stupid. Yeah. Because if we're if we're going to start impeaching people for what you believe to be doing a bad job, I got a long list for you. There, there are about 150 people that we should probably impeach. That's not what impeachment is. It isn't about this guy sucks at his job. If that's what you believe, it's about somebody who's done something wrong actual wrongdoing not bad job but wrongdoing and that's not what's going on here so this whole process is silly and in this regard it's it's probably good it blew up in their faces though it's not over they're going to do this again when scalise Mm -hmm. is back and they'll 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 vote for impeachment which i think is absurd but that's what they're going to do yeah i've heard it as deeply embarrassing cnn called it um, a stunning defeat because this there had been a lot of talk a, a, around impeaching Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. This vote took place yesterday and the House vote was 214 to 216. Three Republicans joined the Democrats in voting against the resolution. And it. And one of them did so, at least one, Amy, as far, from what I understand, Blake Moore, mm-hmm. he changed his vote. He was a yay and then changed it to a no so that he's on the winning side so that it can come back. It was more of a procedural mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. than anything else, from what I understand. Yeah, the that and he was the fourth Republican that joined the no, the no right, side right, right. because it was Representative Ken Buck. Representative Mike Gallagher out of Wisconsin and California, Representative Tom McClintock, who joined the Democrats in voting for the resolution. And you're right. That's when Blake Moore joined the no side to allow the House GOP to bring up the vote again. It does seem, though, that if you don't like someone, whether he be the president or the Homeland Security secretary, you just impeach. We don't like you. We're going to impeach you. I'm I've never heard the word impeach so much in my life as I have in the past eight years. Or it's retaliatory, which that's not what it's for. Impeachment is not to retaliate against the other party who has what they believe to be actual reasons for impeachment. And that's I don't know. I'm hoping we get past the uh, stupid era that we are in because, Amy, we are in one of the (laughs) dumbest timelines in human history, and I don't know that that's arguable. Well, it's... Yeah. No, it's not the worst time to be alive. It's not the most difficult, but it's pretty much the dumbest. It's the stupidest. (laughs) It's just... What a stupid time to be alive. But hey, we're here. Here's something that's not stupid. The sounds of baseball. Coming up next, MLB Network co-host of the Hot Stove and co-host of the Sounds of Baseball, Matt Vaskersian, joins us. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict. 
Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. And just to be clear, that is not Matt Veskersian. That is Tucker Carlson. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be something if it was? <laughs> if Matt Veskersian said, hang on, we're not doing this Bob Costas thing anymore, but I have some thoughts on Vladimir Putin and I've talked to him. Um, I talked to the Kremlin. <laughs> They're down if we're down. So let's do it. Yeah. That was ex-Fox News host Tucker Carlson which you probably picked up on that. He uh, has interviewed President Vladimir Putin. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said Putin had agreed to the Carlson interview because the approach of Tucker Carlson differed from the, quote, one-sided reporting of the Ukraine conflict that many other Western news outlets are promoting or conducting. So the Kremlin approves of Tucker Carlson. Well, of course they do. They have been for since the Ukraine um, invasion started. They love Tucker. They like they their propaganda television uh, networks. They replay Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. bits and then celebrate them. They, they've been doing it for months and months and months. So, of course, they're going to invite him over for an interview. And I have seen from uh, a lot of Western journalists who he said aren't as principled as he is. Is that the word principled he yeah, used? Yeah, I think so. Whatever it was. Yeah, okay, Tucker. Um, but I've seen from a lot of them, uh, Christian Amanpour, who said, we've tried to interview him. He won't do it. Mm-hmm. And of course he won't do it because he wants somebody from the West who's going to be friendly to him. He doesn't want somebody who's going to challenge him. We have all seen what Vladimir Putin does when a journalist challenges him in his homeland. He has them jailed. He has them imprisoned. So this is not somebody who's looking for a real conversation with real pushback. And he knows for a fact he ain't going to get it from Tucker Carlson, who I don't know what his love affair with Putin Mm -hmm. is, but he clearly has one. And it's gross. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre because, you know, he said, well, it's a one-sided. Two sides? There, Yeah, there are two sides to a conflict, but they're not always There aren't equal. always two right sides, they're all, yes. Yes, there are very rarely two right sides. Uh, one side generally is in the right on principle and morality, and the other one is not. The, the, the Russia and Ukraine, there's not a moral equivalency here. And what... Nope people need to realize, and I think a lot of people do realize, just not Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin is a former KGB agent. He believes that the fall of the Soviet Union is the worst tragedy to afflict world history. He commits war crimes as a feature, not a flaw. War crimes like mass rape, which, by the way, is how the Soviets terrorized so much of Eastern Europe. They would go country by country. And and I bring this up because it's it's brutal. It's awful. This is what this guy cheers for. You, or how about just this morning, Amy? Amy, just this morning, they intentionally uh, sent rockets toward uh, civilian areas in Kiev, knowing where they were going to hit. They hit residential uh, uh, buildings, and they did it on purpose. It's not 
It's not unintentional. It's not an accident. They're doing it on purpose, targeting civilians, and they've been doing it for almost two years now. Yeah. No, and I think, again, I mean, we have a lot of bipartisan support in our government. I know there are the fringy right-wingers who tend to be more pro-Russia, but bipartisan support for Ukraine. We are fighting a geopolitical adversary without having U.S. troops on the ground. They are wearing themselves out. They are going through their resources. They are making themselves weaker. Russia is a geopolitical adversary, and this is wearing them down, this battle of attrition, and we don't have any U.S. soldiers on the ground. This ultimately, selfishly even, is a win for the United States to support Ukraine, not to mention the principle and morality of respecting the integrity of borders, of independent nation states and their territorial borders. You have to respect that. A stable Europe is a much more stable and a safer United States. Well, I wish more people in Congress recognized that. The majority does, but it it seems like there is a um, the chorus on the other side is too loud and is holding back whatever funding we're trying to give them. And look, they're they, they may not be a technical ally, but they are. They are, in every sense of the word, an ally to us, and we need to take care of them, and we need to make sure that Russia is not allowed to just start taking territory, because if that's the world we're going back to, we're going to be in some trouble. Yeah, and this was something we talked about at the beginning of the conflict with Ukraine. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, has stepped up to the moment, but that also doesn't mean he's perfect or that he would align with American values. We know Ukraine is a different country with different cultural values, and there is you know, different forms of corruption or what have you in the Ukrainian government. It doesn't mean that Russia and it's in its desire to retake Soviet territories that that was territories that were conquered, countries that were conquered during the USSR takeover. Like you can take that back. Those are two separate issues. Yeah, that's that's what he is. That's what he thinks should happen. Mm -hmm. It just isn't the way we live now. No. So Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin. All right. Now we're going to talk baseball right after the break. We are going to come back with host of the Sounds of Baseball of the MLB Network, Matt Vaskersian, next. Chris Ranji, Amy Mark scores alongside you on a Wednesday morning. We mentioned that Bob Costas is joining us later in the show to talk Super Bowl, Taylor Swift, whatever Bob wants to talk about. But he's also the focus of the Sounds of Baseball, an upcoming episode special, and the co-host of the Sounds of Baseball and the Hot Stove on the MLB Network is Matt Veskersian. And Matt joins us right now. Matt, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, hi, Amy, Chris. You know, the only thing that Bob does not like to talk about is Bob. He's very conversant in everything else. So that's that's what uh, Tom Verducci and I will be doing on this program tomorrow night. There are a couple of stories of Bob being on our station and doing a long segment, 20 minutes or whatever, and then the hosts move on to a new segment, and during the break he calls back and says, you know what, I have more to say. 
And then we'll, 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 we will, uh, they'll let him right back on. That, that's the kind of, of yank Bob has, is that whenever he wants to be on the station, he can be on oh. for as long as he wants. Yeah, he gives a call. We, we'll blow out the programming. Bob Costas is on. <laughs> he is, he's absolutely the best. And first of all, before we get to uh, the Sounds of Baseball, which is an awesome series, um, you've profiled some of the best. Jack Buck was one of them. In fact, may have been the first. I, I can't remember. But at any rate, MLB Network just recently, last month, celebrating its 15th anniversary. I don't know what it is, Matt, but it feels to me like the network has been around forever. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that to us too, Chris. It, it's um, it's a weird thing to, to get your arms around the fact that this place is 15 years old. I mean, I personally came here uh, as a part of the inaugural launch crew and in my brain it was this will be fun for three years and then i'm going back to san diego well here we are 12 years later and the place is still running and i I wouldn't still be here if it wasn't a great place to work it's it's okay to be a specialty shop i think um you you know in the media landscape now there are a lot of places uh that want to be all things to all people you know one-stop shop destination if if you're a baseball fan you're with us if you if you don't like baseball you're not and that's okay because we we all like it, and we know that there are, are plenty of people that do. Well, St. Louis is a town that loves baseball, um, maybe probably more than any other sport. And I will say this about the network. It is, of all the league-specific networks, I think it is the best. It's the most well done. NFL, NHL, all of them are good. I think MLB Network just really kills it. No, I appreciate that. That's that. We really appreciate that because the other networks are, are great, as you mentioned too, Chris. It's um, I, I you know it's a labor of love. I know it's corny, it's a cliche, but the way Cardinal fans love their brand, we love all the brands. We're passionate about all of it. Um, all of us have rooting interests too, and nobody's ever been shy about revealing that. We have a building full of Mets apologists. We've got Greg Amsinger, who's constantly flying the Cardinals flag. I'm from California. I work for the Angels. So, uh, you know, go Halos. I mean, that that kind of thing is okay to do. That's what makes baseball great. We all should be able to fly our flags and, and root for our teams. Yeah, there may not be any more better Cardinals flag flyer than Greg Amsinger. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so, to the um, point that we want to tell him to shut up sometimes. It's okay. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people around the country feel that way about Cardinals fans in general, and I get it. Um, so the sounds of baseball, uh, Jack Buck has been profiled, Harry Carey, Al Michaels, Bob Euchre, the, the game's best broadcasters, history's best broadcasters. And now we're talking about Bob Costas, who is just absolutely prolific. Yeah, and, you know, Bob's uh, Bob has done so many things so well. Um, his, his first love is baseball. His first broadcast love is baseball. So it was appropriate that he gets an hour to himself alongside the, the greats that you mentioned there, Chris. And for Bob, it's interesting, too, because – you know, he, he started at such a young age as a NBC Sports staff guy doing pregame show, postgame show coverage. I remember vividly being a, a younger guy watching Bob Costas, who didn't look like the other sportscasters. He wasn't one of these older curmudgeonly guys that was going to, you know, smoke a cigar and crack the scotch bottle after mm-hmm. the game. He was a younger-looking dude with good hair. 
And it, Bob quickly became, from that pre-postgame role, a play-by-play guy on big games. I think that's one of the things that really distinguishes his career as a play-by-play man. Uh, the, the big game environments that he was put into at such a young age and how seamlessly he covered those events. I mean, in the show that airs tomorrow night, um, Bob was Mike's side for that notorious playoff game between the Orioles and the Yankees where a fan named Jeffrey Mayer uh, reached over the left field wall and interfered with a boundary call with a home run or a double, and it became the Jeffrey Mayer game. And Bob's take in real time, which we play on the show, was so spot on. And, you know, a lot of us, including myself, I came from the play-by-play ranks before I got to MLB Network. You know, some, sometimes you doubt yourself in those moments in real time, and you might misspeak. Uh, you'll get tongue-tied. You'll get a rules interpretation wrong. When the lights were brightest for Bob in those big moments, he was always completely on it, as we've, as we've come to know from his work. And you mentioned baseball being Bob's true love. When MLB Network launched, Bob was doing great with HBO. And you guys asked him, hey, come join our network. But HBO wanted exclusivity. So did the MLB Network think that they would really be able to pull Bob Costas away from HBO? Was it a long shot? Was it something that you knew would happen? Oh, yeah, that's a, a great question, Amy. And it, it only happened because Bob wanted it to happen. He wanted to be a part of the baseball format shop. Uh, you know, and I, I think because he wanted it to be so, he made sure the people at HBO knew that. He made sure he was still working NBC at the time. He was still hosting Olympics coverage and doing triple crown racing with NBC. He made sure the folks at NBC knew that, that this was something important to him. Uh, and we're all we're all pretty grateful for that that he's been here essentially since the beginning. You as a broadcaster, um, and and as you mentioned, uh, being a younger broadcaster watching Bob Costas, I was the same. I think anybody in St. Louis or anybody who followed baseball felt the same way about him. Who, who were some other influences for you, in in particular, aside from Costas? You know, I grew up in Northern California, uh, and uh, the late Bill King was was the preeminent voice of all three uh, sports in the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Area. For me, I was an East Bay kid, so I grew up loving the A's, the Raiders, and the Warriors. And Bill King was this Renaissance guy with a handlebar mustache who was just as interested in um, ballet as he was in the sports he covered he was a fascinating man and he had this flair for big moments great storytelling ability checking all the boxes that the great broadcasters do he too is in the hall of fame uh i believe he was put in there posthumously and i I don't know that a lot of folks outside of northern california are intimately familiar with his work but he was a guy who really hit me Uh, there was a, a broadcaster at espn um the late tom meese who was he was oh, yeah. a sports center host, uh, you may recall. And I, I don't know why, but his style resonated with me. And when I listened not too long ago, I found a box of tapes from my first radio play-by-play gig in the minor leagues in the short-season rookie Appalachian League in uh, the 1990s. And uh, it was 19, I think it was 1990 itself, actually. And I'm doing a hackneyed imitation of Tom Meese. So that guy 
stuck with me for some reason. Um, it doesn't. It, it takes a little while before you kind of find your own voice, as I'm sure the two of you have figured out through your broadcasting career. And when you stop imitating someone else and sounding like what you think it's supposed to sound like, that's when you finally kind of figure it out. No, I think Amy and I are still trying to figure I out what the hell we no are. I have no idea <laughs> what it's supposed to sound like, it's honestly. I just no clue. meet yeah. with my boss, Steve, on Wednesdays, and he tells me what I'm doing And then doing he yells wrong. at us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is Matt Viscursion. He, alongside Tom Verducci, host The Sounds of Baseball on MLB Network. And the newest episode featuring Bob Costas debuts tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central Time on the MLB Network. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, when you guys have Costas on later, yep. ask him about the Ogie Oglethorpe story from Slapshot. It's an amazing story. <laughs> okay. It's going to be worth your while. We will, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. He's Chris Ranji. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.